Welcome in here on a Friday. It's Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN, streaming live on the ESPN Des Moines Facebook page, brought to you by BallyBet. I believe we're going to have some some betting happening these uh, this weekend. we got some big college football games to get to coming up. We'll preview the Iowa Hawkeyes. But first, want to get to the Iowa State Cyclones. And joining us right now on the line from CycloneAlert.com, he is Michael Swain. Michael, thank you so much for the time. Happy game day, Eve. Yeah, thanks, Mike. Really excited. Finally, after a, a long offseason of previewing one of the best teams in the country, we're finally here. It's weird to say we're talking about one of the best teams in the country, given Iowa State's history. And before we get to, and everybody's talking about Purdy and Kohler and Brees Hall, are, are we giving enough credit to the fact that you could be looking at All-Americans at all three levels and Will McDonald, Mike Rose, and Jaquan Amos in this, in this defense? I mean, I feel like the offense is getting all the attention, Michael, but the defense is going to be loaded as well. Yeah, it definitely will, and it's interesting you mentioned Jaquan Amos there. I'll be interested to see if he ends up starting tomorrow. It sounds like he and Kamani King um, and Kamani King played at corner last year for Iowa State and transferred to play safety kind of towards the end of last season, and by all accounts has had a really good spring and summer and off season. so those two are fighting out a battle. But I think if you're looking actually at All-Americans, all I think maybe Greg Eisworth you know, yeah. could be the candidate there as well. You look at him being a three-time All-Big 12 recipient first team there he could be a four-time first team all big 12 player if he plays well this season so i think you're looking at a really experienced defense an offense that you're probably looking to get some more out of your wide receiver core in general um but yeah the defense is going to be stout and with such an experienced group of john haycock i think you can expect iowa state to be able to change a lot of things on the fly without losing a lot in terms of just getting lost in translation or things like that michael swain joining us cyclonealert.com read your story about eyesworth switching spots how big of a deal is it to move from one sided safety to the other i asked john haycock about it on wednesday when we got to talk to the coordinators and he said that positions are very similar um in terms of the responsibilities they have it's more if you're playing on the field side like Eisworth did last season. You're playing in coverage a lot more just because there's a lot more space, of course, on the field side of the play, which is why Jaquan Amos and Kamani King, two people who have you know, backgrounds playing cornerback, why they're kind of on that side. And for Eisworth, you look at what he does really well. You know, He played that middle safety star position when he first came to Iowa State. He's really good at being in the mix and being in run support and doing a little bit of everything. And that boundary safety spot where he's going to play this season really allows him to do that, where he can cover tight ends, and he can you know, help in the run game as well. So I think it's going to be a really good fit for Greg Eisworth. He seems to think it's a really good fit for himself, too, getting to talk to him this week about it. Um, so I think that's something that's really interesting because you think about you know, Iowa State's defense in general. You know, they're not really moving around the linebacker spots. They're not really moving around the defensive end spots, but they've been okay interchanging kind of the safety spots uh, over the last few offseasons. Let's get into the trenches and talk about Will McDonald. I've seen some draft people say he's going to be the first uh, Cyclone off the board uh, next year when we get to the NFL draft. Others see him as a second, third round guy. He led the nation in sacks last year, and nobody's seemingly talking about Will McDonald outside of the state of Iowa. How good can this guy be this year? Really good, really good. And, you know, last year he only he played less than 50% of Iowa State snaps, and I think that's... That's insane, maybe, Michael. That number is insane. Yeah, it is, because you think about him getting 10.5 sacks, he's now eight sacks away from Jaquan Bailey's um, all-time record that he set last season. And so you're looking at someone that's just a prolific pass rusher. And for Will McDonald to be a first-round draft pick, it's not going to be what he does against 
the pass because everyone knows he's good in that facet of the game. It's always he look like against the run because that's not something he did a ton of last season. And according, you know, listening to the Iowa State coaches kind of during fall camp talk about it, they seem to be pretty confident that Will McDonald has taken the right steps forward to be able to play against the run more consistently and really have an impact against it. Because you look at him and it's just his body. And this offseason, you know, he went up from being about 230 pounds last year to being about 240, 245 right now. And so you're looking at someone that's a lot bigger. He's long still, hasn't lost much of that athleticism or explosiveness. Um, you know, Eli Rashid, the defensive line coach, floated out there that his vertical is, you know, 40 inches and above. I think he said maybe even 42 inches. So you're looking at someone that has a lot of twitch, really long arms, and just overall the things you look for in an NFL person that's going to play in the trenches. But it's just a question of can he do it, you know, on first and second down against those big-bodied linemen when he can't really pin his ears back and just go pure rush. How good can Mike Rose be? Stud last year, all Big 12. Can he take it to another level? He seems to think so. Um, talking do to him, you, I really do like you him. think so, Michael? <laughs> I, I, I think he can. Um, and I think you look at overall what, what his game was. And I think the big thing that I come back to is his pressure numbers from last season. I think he had the most quarterback hurries on the team, but only had one sack or one and a half sacks. So uh, you're looking at someone that was, you know, if you want to say uh, a step short on some occasions in terms of getting that sack number, it seems like he's taken the step forward in that regard this offseason. He's worked on his speed and being more fluid in terms of just his overall athleticism. So I think if you're looking at his game, the step he can take it that, being a better pass rusher and helping out more in kind of that pass rushing aspect of the game because we know what he does in coverage. He led the team in interceptions last year, led the team in tackles last year. It's really just kind of that, that passing game that he can maybe take that next step in. And then if you kind of include that, then you're looking at an all-around linebacker who is, you know, six foot, you know, four, 250 pounds. Like, he's got massive size, and if he can move well, I think he's someone, too, that, you know, can be one of those NFL draft picks. Talking to Michael Swain, CycloneAlert.com on Twitter at mswain247 here on 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. Iowa State opens with Northern Iowa coming up tomorrow up at Ames. Game one of the college football season. Last one on the defense before we talk about the glamour spot of the quarterback and running back. Who on the defensive side are we not talking enough about? Who has surprised and has gotten the attention of Coach Campbell on the defensive side of the ball this, uh, this fall? Yeah, that'd be J.R. Singleton, a redshirt freshman who played in three games last year and has won the starting spot to be Iowa State's nose guard in the heart of that three-man front. Um, he's someone that has really impressed the coaching staff with his maturity. And you look at Iowa State and their history under Campbell, what allows guys to play early. It's earning the trust of the coaching staff. And you look at kind of what you mentioned we'll hit on the offense in a second. I'll, I'll preview that a little bit. But Jalen Knoll is an offensive guy that is a true freshman that's going to play this fall for Iowa State. He's going to play a good amount of snaps, too. What he's done and what J.R. Singleton have done is come in and be super mature and take a real professional approach to the craft of football that then proves to the Iowa State staff that they can trust them in these big moments in games that are going to decide if Iowa State can claim its first conference title, play in a college football playoff, play in a New Year's Six Bowl again. They're going to rely on someone like J.R. Singleton, who has only played in three college games. So I think that he's someone that maybe hasn't gone that type of pub. Of course, he's not going to play every snap. They're still going to rotate on the inside of the defensive line. But he's someone that's it's really notable that Iowa State, a top-10 program in the country right now, is going to rely on a redshirt freshman to be the center of their defense. That's crazy to me. 19, 20 years old, going up against guys on those offensive lines in the Big 12 that have been around for two, three, and four years. That's, that's wild. Uh, does Matt Campbell have any issue going with young guys like true freshmen or, or in this case, redshirt freshmen? 
No, he's proven in his time at Iowa State that if you are good enough and you can show that you can compete and do your job and not have a ton of missed assignments, that you will play. And that's been a theme. You look at Brees Hall when he was a freshman earning playing time as the season went on. Um, there's are, are cases each season of young players stepping up and filling roles, whether it's on special teams, whether it's on offense, defense. You know, There are guys at each season that maybe aren't heralded to start the year, but either throughout the course of fall camp or up through the course of the season, that they proved to the coaching staff that they could be trusted to do their job each play. And that's all the coaching staff asks for, um, is guys that can show up, do their job, and do what's asked of them and be consistent. You know, we don't do fantasy football very often with college football players, but if I had to draft a wide receiver to, to lead the team in catches or yards or touchdowns, who is Purdy going to get the ball to? Who should I look at as the number one wideout threat for Iowa State? I would say Xavier Hutchinson. I think he's got the mix of, you know, last season he was really the only wide receiver that was super consistent throughout the course of the season. And this offseason he has improved his ability on deep balls. So you're looking at someone that last year led the team in receptions, was a really physical wide receiver underneath. But now if he adds that second level to his game where he's able to go and go get deep balls 30, 40 yards down the field, you know, that would be really big in terms of, like, fantasy, if that's what you're projecting it as. But he's someone that I think will have another really big year this year. I think the question for Iowa State's wide receiver core is kind of who's that second wide receiver that steps up because they didn't really have that super consistently last year. Michael, is there a feeling when you talk to Brock Purdy or any of the other guys about Purdy that he takes a little issue with Spencer Rattler getting all of the attention, the Big 12 preseason player of the year, the quarterback starting in the All-Big 12 team in the preseason, Heisman front runner. Does Purdy say anything about that? No, he couldn't care less. Um, it's interesting. He was one of the guys they made available this week, too. And he was asked about what his favorite record is because he's set, about, I think, about 25 program <laughs> records right now. Um, yeah, he was asked what his favorite record was, and he said wins being the most winning quarterback in Iowa State history. And I think that that shows what Purdy's about. He doesn't care about the yards, the touchdowns, touchdown-interception ratio. It's are we winning at the end of the game? And I think that that's maybe what makes Brock a, a special quarterback and why so many players and coaches I've gone to bat for him over the last year, two years, is the fact that he's consistent day in and day out. He's the same guy, and he doesn't worry about a lot of the outside stuff that we have a lot of fun talking about. He's really just... How can we win the game, and how can we make the team the most successful it can be? And I think that's what makes him maybe more of a unique quarterback these days when I think a lot of guys are you know, chasing stats sometimes. You know, last year, going into the opener, and nobody, I don't think anybody, even you, Michael, a year ago, expected the year that Iowa State was going to have to, to be in the Big 12 title game, to, to play in the Fiesta Bowl, to beat Justin Herbert and the Oregon Ducks. I don't think anybody really expected this team to explode like they did but they seem to get a little humbled after that first game when they lost to Louisiana. Did they learn their lesson from their opening week loss going into this one against a team that they really should blow the doors off of in Northern Iowa? Um, circle back real quick. I predicted Iowa State to go 8-2 and two last year at the start of the season, so I'm just going to float that out there. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I would say that, yes, I, I think that they have struggled to start the season, not even in 2020 and 2019, the last time they played you and I game went to overtime and you're looking at a team now that I think they figured out I think some of the things that kind of allowed them to hit the ground running you know Matt Campbell's really changed the offseason program they've changed the way they've done practices and so I think this is a team that has really grown from two years ago when they played you and I last and I, I think that it's an experienced team that understands kind of the task at hand of you need to get off to a good start in week one and then let that kind of 
turn into a snowball where you can kind of build it week after week and not necessarily get you caught up in the, well, we need to win X amount of games to make the college football playoff. It's, hey, let's beat UNI and let's focus on beating Iowa and focus on beating UNLV and go from there. What's the feeling like in Ames these days? I imagine, uh, what, about 14 hours from kickoff or whatever we are, I got to bet that bars are going to be jammed tonight. People are buzzing. People are going to be lined up real early in the tailgate at Jack Trice Stadium. The feeling of Iowa State fans has to be something right now like you've never seen before in the city of Ames. Oh, for sure. It's going to be packed. I'm really excited to kind of see what the atmosphere is like. You know, it's been 650 days right now since Iowa State fans were last year. What kind of fill Jack Trice Stadium without any sort of restrictions? So, I think it's going to be a special atmosphere. And you're looking at, I think, back-to-back weekends of it being really packed in Ames. And, I mean, of course, like you think about the business impact, too, like allowing these bars to be open at restaurants and people to come out of town to come and visit. And I think that's a big deal. And I think it's going to contribute to what could be a really special atmosphere here over the kind of first two weeks of the season. Uh, real quick, right back to Northern Iowa. I know Matt Campbell said, you know, back in 2019 they were good, and, and I know that the spring everything was weird with COVID for their division that they play and their level of football that they play at in the spring. But what do we know about Northern Iowa? What do you know about Northern Iowa? Yeah, their defense is probably one of the biggest strengths of their team right now. That defensive line is pretty good. Um, their quarterback situation is interesting. They've got McElvain, who was the quarterback two years ago against Iowa State, then they also have a Michigan State transfer that is competing for the quarterback spot as well. So I think you're looking at a quarterback battle going into the game, and that'll be interesting to see kind of who ends up taking the field and start the season for them. Um, a battle I'm looking forward to is actually going to be Will McDonald against um, Northern Iowa's tackle. Um, Trevor Penning is his name. He's someone that Bruce Feldman, he does this freaks list, college football freaks every year, and Penning was one of the guys he included on that list. So you're looking at two guys right there that are really talented and I think will be a really good test for McDonald's start the season. So I think you're looking at that UNI offense wasn't really that good during the FCS spring season, but I think that you're looking at maybe some interesting matchups at certain spots, but I think just Iowa State's overwhelmingly more talented. Michael Swain joining us from CycloneAlert.com. Michael, appreciate the time. Uh, Ten seconds or less, 12 games. How many wins for the uh, Cyclones this year? I think 11-1. and one. I think the Oklahoma game in Norman will be their one loss, and they'll make it to the Big 12 title. Follow him on Twitter, mswain247. Read his fantastic work, cyclonealert.com. Michael, thank you so much for the time, man. I appreciate it. Enjoy the game. Talk to you down the road. Definitely. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Michael Swain joining us. Coming up, we switch from the Cyclones over to the Iowa Hawkeyes. Rob joins me from hawkeyenation.com next. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. From the Bally Bet Sportsbook App Studio, get social features, casino rewards, and exclusive games in one betting app. Thirteen fifty ESPN, Wicket's World here on ESPN Des Moines. It is a Friday we got Cubs baseball coming your way a little bit later on. The uh, the Cubbies playing out the string. College football starts tomorrow, though, uh, though. College football starts tomorrow, though, and that's what everybody is excited about here in the state of Iowa, uh, including Hawkeye fans. Joining me right now on the line from HawkeyeNation.com, one of the best in the business covering the Iowa Hawkeyes, Rob Howe is with us. Rob, thanks for the time so much. How are you, my friend? Doing well, Mike. How about yourself? Well, can't complain. You know, um, college football is back. I, I guess my lead question for you here, Rob, is this. 
What are Iowa fans most excited about? To see Spencer Petrus, to see Tyler Goodson, or beer sales at Kinnick? All the above, and being in Kinnick, I think, yes. is the biggest thing after last year. I think just people are psyched to tailgate again and be with their friends and get into the, the stadium, but then once they get in there, they can uh, keep the buzz going, I guess. <laughs> were, you su- were you surprised that Iowa did what a lot of other stadiums are doing, or was it just a matter of time before they allowed beer and wine sales? It was a matter of time. I think it was two or three years ago, Mike, where Gary Barta told us, hey, we're not going to be the first in the Big Ten to do this, but we won't be the last. And then I think he told us the other day they were eighth. So he was true to his word. What beer is sold in Kinnick? I have to imagine Bush Light is the sponsor. It's a good question. I think there's plenty of domestic, which will be $8.50 a pop. And then you can get the the craft brews. in, from Iowa, I think there's three of them, and I think those are 950 a pop. So, yeah. Uh, and no cash taken in Kinnick Stadium this year, so bring your credit cards. See, that's the kind of analysis we need. That's why Rob Howe <laughs> from HawkeyeNation.com is with us on Twitter at Rob Howe HN and Mike Wicked here on 1350 ESPN. I, I got to tell you, listening to Coach Ferentz talk about what Spencer Petrus has done here in the fall camp, I mean, it sounds like we should expect sky-high results. Is that what you're taking from Ferentz and what you're seeing? I think the, you know, I, I think we, it's a wait-and-see, Mike, um, based off of what we saw last year. I mean, I think you hope for the best. You hope that everything you're seeing in practice translates into the games. Uh, in talking to his teammates and, his, you know, his coaches, everybody has confidence in him. He seems like he has more confidence this year. Um, but we saw him have struggles last year, and now there's fans in the stands, which is a different deal as well. Obviously, this week they will be behind him for the for the most part. Next week it's a whole whole different ball game. But um, it's just a matter of him going in there, and hopefully, you know, the offensive line comes together because it's not him by himself. We all know that. We watch football. The pieces around him help him, and then he helps them. Is he, uh, in your mind, a mature quarterback? Or is, again, kind of like you're talking about, the jury's still out till we see, you know, a game in front of fans? Oh, I think the jury's definitely still out. I think, uh, I think he got better as last year went along, but he has to be better. He has to be more accurate. He has to hit. I think one of the biggest things, Mike, is he has to hit receivers in a way where they can make plays after the catch. He really struggled with that last year. Put the ball on them where they can make more yards, you know, yards after catch. And that's kind of, it seems like that's improved uh, if you talk to his receivers. And, uh, but we saw frustration last year on Amir Smith-Marset and uh, Brandon Smith. Those guys were noticeably frustrated at times last year where the ball was put on them, if it was put on them at all. So definitely that's something to keep an eye on tomorrow. Talking to Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com, on Twitter at Rob Howe HN here on 1350 ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wicket here on Wicket's World. Uh, who are the primary pass catchers that we may see some looks of disdain on <laughs> that hopefully Petrus can hook up with if you're an Iowa fan? Who are the guys that he's going to be looking to? If I was going to draft a fantasy wide receiver off of this squad, who would it be? Without question, it's Tyron Tracy Jr. I think. Uh... I think he's had the talent the last few years, and we've seen glimpses of it. Um, He's been behind Amir Smith-Marset and and Brandon Smith in the pecking order. Now he moves to the top. I think Nico Regani has shown 
Uh, he's pretty steady and reliable, and I think he's your slot guy. He's your guy across the middle making tough catches in traffic. But Tyrone Tracy is a guy that he's a perfect example, Mike, of somebody, if you can get the ball in his hands in a space where he's, you know, it, you know, you hit him in stride, he has that ability to take it all the way. And we saw that against Northwestern a few years ago, and I think he has that potential. And I think he's ready. He's one of those guys, if you're looking at Iowa for a breakout guy, a guy that could be all Big Ten in a league with really good receivers, some of which we saw last night, um, he, has, he has that ability. Rob, uh, the ceiling for Tyler Goodson, what is it? Well, I mean, he was all Big Ten last year, so I think, you know, in the conversation for Dope Walker, um, mm. for the running backs, you know, I think he can be, if, if things come together with the offensive line and Petrus can keep teams from stacking the box and just going all out to stop Goodson, I think he has that ability. I think, the, I think one aspect we're going to see this year that we haven't seen a lot of so far is him in the passing game. I noticed that more in the two open spring practices and again at Kids Day a few weeks ago. There seems like a concerted effort to get him involved in the passing game more, and maybe that's the way you get Petrus going as well. Some short passes, he can make some plays when he gets the ball in his hands, and that can open some things up as well. Defensive side of the ball, I mean, Michael Penix coming up tomorrow is an absolute uh, weapon with his legs, with his arms. How do you contain, how does this defense contain Indiana? Because I know that the Hoosiers shockingly can score points this year. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, as you mentioned, Penix Jr. is, you know, you can make an argument that he's the best quarterback in the league. Uh, Ty Freifogel, the receiver, was the Big Ten receiver of the year last year in a, with a good group of guys. Uh, Peyton Hendershot's a really good tight end. They've got a couple of transfers, one from Florida State and one from Texas A&M. Um, the, the running back, Stephen Carr, they transferred in from USC. He's a former five-star. They have a lot of transfers in. Rob, this, it sounds really weird to be talking about all these weapons for Indiana. Like, that just seems so strange growing up in the era that you and I have grown up watching Indiana play in. Yeah, Mike, and I think that's what people need to be cautious about when they're thinking tomorrow that I was just going to go out there and win you know, no matter what because it's Indiana. Um, if Iowa comes out like it did last year in the first two games, the two fumbles against Purdue cost them, three picks against Northwestern, you're 0-2. They come, over, they come out tomorrow and turn the ball over. This is a good football team. This is a top 25 football team with a lot of weapons, a good coaching staff. And it's, I think for Tom Allen, Mike, this is an opportunity for them to maybe justify their ranking. He's talked a lot about modeling his program after Iowa, wanting that consistency. This is an opportunity for them to do that. So it's going to be, I'm really interested. It's nice having a game like this to kick the season off as opposed to, you know, an FCS school or a MAC school. No offense to those, those schools. Rob Howell from Hawkeye Nation throwing shade at Iowa State <laughs> here on 1350 ESPN. <laughs> hey, if Penix doesn't get hurt last year, you think Indiana can win a couple extra games? You think, you know, the, what did he get hurt in the, uh, was it the Maryland game? You think they beat Wisconsin and, 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 and maybe if they ever get to play Purdue, do they beat Purdue? I mean, how, how short do you think Indiana's season was cut because of Penix? Yeah, and he's been hurt both years where he's been the starter. Too, right. Mike, so that's something to keep an eye on. Can his 
offensive line keep him clean. And one thing that Indiana, I'm sure, has focused on this offseason is running the football better beyond him. Indiana was 12th in the league in rushing last year, averaged 3.1 yards per carry. They've got to be better at that to keep, to keep defenses honest and allow him more freedom. Um, if they struggle to rush the football again beyond him this year, that can be a problem. We talked about Stephen Carr, the transfer in from USC, supposedly had a great spring and summer, and they expect a lot from him. Be interested to keep an eye on that tomorrow. You know, the Big Ten West, everybody's talking about Wisconsin and probably Iowa. I don't think people are expecting Northwestern to do what they did last year and get to the Big Ten title game. I know the situation was weird with COVID, but do you see it as a two-horse race in the West? I think Minnesota showed us something last night. I think they've obviously got to be better on defense, but how much of that was Ohio State? I think a lot of it. Um, but they certainly have the offense, provided Mo Ibrahim is healthy. Um, and I, I, I just don't, I mean, I think it's silly and, frankly, idiotic to discount Northwestern at this point, isn't it? So, I mean, they've so Rob, is, Rob, just so you're, you're keeping track, Rob has thrown shade at Iowa State <laughs> and has called me a silly idiot. So no. I appreciate that. <laughs> I was not saying you were an idiot. I was saying people that doubt Northwestern at this point. I mean, Fitz does it all the time. They've won, yeah. what, two of the last three West Division titles? That's not a fluke. The biggest question for them, and it seems like it's yearly with them now, is quarterback. Um, you know, they got Peyton Ramsey from Indiana. He obviously was, was a big part of what they did last year. The year before that, they were just terrible at quarterback. And one of the guys that was involved in that rotation is Hunter Johnson, a former five-star who started his career at Clemson. Um, he won the starting job over Ryan Holinsky, who came in from South Carolina as a transfer. So quarterback is obviously the position for Northwestern. They lost two really good linebackers and a really good quarterback, but They've recruited well. They're well coached. And I just, we'll get a look at them tonight against Michigan State. That'll be a good, I'm, I'm looking forward to that one as well. Rob Howe, HawkeyeNation.com for another minute here on 1350 ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter at Rob Howe HN. Um, I, I, I kind of am looking through this 12 game schedule, and I, and I look at this first one with Indiana. If they can get to Indiana, they can win coming up tomorrow. And then the big matchup with Iowa State, what a national game that would wind up being. Two, you know, two top 15 teams playing in Ames. But if they go 2-0, and especially coming off last year where they won six straight to end the year and had a lot of momentum with the Michigan and, and Purdue, or the Michigan and Mizzou games getting canceled, I mean, there's not a lot of teams that can say they have won, what, six, seven, maybe eight games straight in this, in this world. Yeah, I agree. I mean, if Iowa can get out and win these two games, it puts itself in a discussion to have a really big season. And Kirk Ferentz talked about this the other day, Mike. Historically, Iowa's been a little bit slow out of the gates. Um, Can't afford to do that this year. But if they can come out of the gates strong, it's historically a program that plays better football as the season goes on and they figure things out. So that's really something to keep an eye on. If they can get 2-0... Maybe they get this thing rolling, and uh, maybe we're back looking at what happened in 2015. Will they get 1-0? I believe so. I believe so. With the game being at Kinnick, very hard road environment. Indiana hasn't been on the road. A lot of their players haven't been on the road in front of fans before. So uh, I do like Iowa tomorrow in a close one, maybe 24-20, something like that. And uh, out of 12 games, how many wins for this squad? And, and are they playing in the, uh, the Big Ten title game down the road? 
Um, I've got him at nine and three, uh, losses to Iowa State, uh, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Those are the three losses I have. I, I'm back. I'm, I kind of go back and forth on Minnesota and Northwestern, um, but I certainly think they have the potential to win the West. I just have to see some some areas of this team that I'm a little concerned about, or just want to see them pull through. Defensive tackle being one of the positions. Well, you, you gotta, you know, it's it's one of those ridiculous cliches that we always say. It's like, well, we're gonna learn a lot, or we'll see, but. I can't believe it actually is finally here. It starts tomorrow with a, with a Big Ten game. Rob, thank you so much for the time, man. Always appreciate when you come on, and thanks for not only throwing shade at half of my audience, but also at me. <laughs> thanks, Mike. It's good to talk to you. Have a great weekend. Enjoy the games. You too. Rob Howe from HawkeyeNation.com. Follow him on Twitter at Rob Howe HN. Threw a little shade at me. Called me a silly idiot. <laughs> Said, you know, nice to have... It, it, he said it's nice to have this kind of game as opposed to playing a team from a lower level. And I, it, I think coaches would rather, for the most part, play a team from a division like what Iowa State has got going on, playing Northern Iowa or playing an Eastern Michigan or playing a you know, Western Pennsylvania A&M Tech School for the Blind or whatever. So you can get kind of a scrimmage action in, and it's nothing to be real worried about. If Indiana comes in tomorrow and they're firing in all cylinders and Iowa starts out slow like they did last year, kind of like what Rob was just talking about, you're looking at, you know, Iowa maybe getting kicked in the, uh, the teeth a little bit. You don't want to have a slow start, especially in the Big Ten West race. If Wisconsin beats Penn State, now they got a game up on you and we haven't even got to the middle of September yet. A lot of time left, obviously, but this is such a crazy way to start the Big Ten slate with all of these Big Ten teams playing each other for the most part. Last night we had Ohio State, Minnesota. Penn State's got Wisconsin. Of course, you've you got Indiana and Iowa. Kinnick coming up tomorrow. So there's just so many things that are happening in the Big Ten that there's so much mystery. And it's a cliche. Oh, so many things are happening and we'll have to wait and see. But it's all true. And it all starts tomorrow for the Hawkeyes and for the Cyclones. Again, thanks to Rob Howe and to Michael Swain for coming on. Uh, biggest story in the NFL that happened this week. I will tell you exactly why Cam Newton got cut, which we didn't think was ever going to be a possibility one week ago. But we'll revisit that biggest story in the National Football League next. Phone lines are open. 515-244-1350. This is Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN. 1350 ESPN. I should probably know who the Cubs are playing today, right? They're coming up in five minutes <laughs> here on ESPN Des Moines. I'm Mike Wickett. This is Wickett's World. Uh, by the way, Cubs, man- this is breaking news. I did not see this. Cubs manager David Ross and their president, Jed Hoyer, have both tested positive for COVID-19. <laughs> I think our producer just swore <laughs> off microphone. <laughs> So if you heard that, apologies. Apologies. Uh, I don't even know where the dump button is in the studio, so who the hell knows? Oh, there it is. All right. Wow. Okay, so bench coach Andy Green's going to run the team while Ross is away. They play against the Pirates later on today. I'm sure Pat and Ron will have more for you on that. Uh, Zach Zaidman takes over in five minutes here on 1350 ESPN. Whoa. Man. Uh, by the way, the Cubs have not yet reached the 85% vaccination status threshold, which is what 
Major League Baseball would like to have every team do. They will relax some of their protocols if you reach that point, and apparently they have not. I don't know if David Ross is vaccinated. I don't know if team president Jed Hoyer is uh, vaccinated. I have no idea. I do know that in the National Football League, the biggest story this week had to do with a guy whose vaccination status was questionable at best. No one knows if Cam Newton has been vaccinated. My assumption is, and I think it's a pretty rock-solid assumption, is that Cam Newton has not been vaccinated. And therefore, I believe, and I am telling you right now, regardless of what uh, Bill Belichick is going to tell you and some of these others are going to tell you, Cam Newton was cut because mostly the fact that he is unvaccinated and B, because he's washed. I told you last week I thought Cam Newton was washed, but I think he was still, if your goal is to win nine games this year in a 17-game schedule, I think Cam Newton gives you that better opportunity than rookie Mac Jones. Bill Belichick made the decision, and unlike Urban Meyer, who said, quote, vaccination status was a factor while making some NFL personnel decisions, you're not supposed to say that, that that's not supposed to factor in, but let's be honest, it completely does. And Cam Newton's not long for the the New England Patriots. Cam Newton is a one-year or two-year stopgap until, surprise, they took Mac Jones, and Mac Jones is the future. But they cut Cam Newton because of his vaccination status. Because here's the deal. If you are vaccinated, if you have taken the vaccine, and you come in contact with someone who tests positive, you do not have to isolate. If you are unvaccinated, like Cam Newton, and you come in contact with someone who does test positive for COVID-19, you have to isolate for five days. All right? If Cam, I'm sorry, if Mac Jones tests positive as the starter or not the starter, guess who he shares the quarterback room with? Cam Newton. Now you're down two quarterbacks. All right? If Cam Newton is in contact with anyone who tests positive, he cannot play if you get that, what is that, so Sunday, Saturday, Friday, Thursday, on Wednesday before a game in the NFL season. If, if somebody tests positive that Cam has come in contact with, he's got to isolate for five days. He missed four days of practice, a walk day, a tra- or a walkthrough, a travel day. He misses all that stuff, and he's not able to play. The most important ability in the National Football League It's not how high you can jump or how far you can throw a ball. The most important ability is availability. If you are not able to play and suit up, Bill Belichick has no use for you. The factor, the risk versus reward of keeping Cam Newton in the locker room, in his role as the backup quarterback, is not worth it. Cam's not that good. Not only is Cam not that good, he is a danger to everyone else in that locker room if he tests positive or if he comes in contact with someone who tests positive. So anybody who's going to tell you that vaccination status didn't come into play, didn't come into factor, when Bill Belichick tells you that, he is flat out lying to you. If you can't get on the field, you're no good to me. If Mac Jones tests positive, Cam tests positive. Bottom line, that's why Cam Newton, along with his inability to play at a really, 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 really high level, that's why Cam Newton got cut. All right, we are out of here. Uh, My thanks to Michael Swain from CycloneAlert.com and Rob Howe from HawkeyeNation.com. Thanks to Gable and our potty mouth producer, Kira, for uh, keeping us on the air here. 
That Cubs and Pirates, the latest on David Ross. Coming up next, I'm Mike Wicket. This has been Wicket's World on 1350 ESPN.